This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I'm Joey. I love wrestling. I'm Nick. I love wrestling. I'm Justin. I love wrestling. I'm Steven. And I hate wrestling. You Should Love Wrestling is a show where we try to convince Steven that he should love wrestling. You should love wrestling, WWE, cause I love wrestling, a lot of loving from me, we on the podcast, Joey Cliff, Nick and Steven, but Steven ain't wrestling, gotta make him a believer, I'm all hoping that, I love Rick Flair, The Undertaker, Tombstone on the chair, so tune in every week, cause we got a new guest, you should love wrestling, cause it's the best, yes! Whenever you shop on Amazon, you could support our show by going to boardwalkaudio.com forward slash you should love wrestling. Click the support our artist button and then shop on Amazon.com like you normally would. That's right, Nick. Our <laughs> guest today is the writer of the best and worst of SmackDown column at Uproxx, co-creator and host of Turnaround Nerds, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, a very funny writer and director. And this is his second time on the show, Justin Donaldson. How's it going, Justin? Hey, pretty Welcome good, back. guys. Pretty good. Good to see everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming back, man. Good to have oh, you. You're welcome anytime. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, I mean, I'll spoil it a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, Bret Hart. And the last time we talked about Bret Hart too, right? This yeah. is Bret Hart. You looked yep. at me as if I said it wrong. I'm like, it's Bret Hart, right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you mean Brat Hart? Brit Hart. Brot Hart. That's how uh, you say it in Canada. Brit Hart. Brit Hart. <laughs> yeah. The, is that like the uh, Dutch Canada? Canadian accent. Brit Hart. Yeah, so I like that you're on theme. You're really nailing it. This is great. Thank you. Actually, uh, before we get into the, the topic of the show, we haven't had you on the show in a while. How's, I don't know, like, how's wrestling been since then? Yeah, Maybe, how's you, wrestling's uh, been pretty good. It's the yeah. thing Steven doesn't want to talk about, so let's talk about it. Now yeah, go. wrestling's been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you excited know, about the UK um, thing? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. So much um, wrestling. Yeah, too much. So much wrestling. Too much There's content. So much Just wrestling, Just WWE guys. content. There's I too watch much. so much wrestling. There's 12 yeah, hours worth of wrestling. So much more wrestling. There's yeah. 12 hours worth of wrestling a week, Steven, just on WWE television alone. I'm now watching, I'm watching three and a half hours on Tuesdays with mm-hmm. yeah. SmackDown 205, 205 Live and, and Talking Smack. Talking yeah, Smack yeah. Which, I mean, is essential to SmackDown. It yeah. is. It, uh, sometimes it's better than SmackDown. It is. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm doing three hours on Monday, then you got NXT, and I'm watching Lucha Underground, and I'm watching yep. the, uh, the uh, New Japan on Access. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of wrestling right now. Uh, Does this sound crazy to you so far? Yeah, I mean, this has been the stupid state of wrestling for a long time. Um, this doesn't sound new to me, but it's still crazy. Yes. Yeah, Wait, okay. Can we, uh, Steven, uh, this might this will take a big time commitment from you. I already know. Uh, would you be cool with doing an episode of You Should Love Wrestling where you just watch every wrestling show that's on TV for a week? <laughs> I already told you my answer. No? There's literally no Come chance on, of that. No chance. I have too many wrestling. things that I actually care about to imagine like starting to attempt watching yeah, wrestling. You know, Everything that's 20 wrestling. hours of professional wrestling. Rechargeable even... batteries, shitty cookies, <laughs> yeah, infographics. Yeah, that's my whole life, Nick. I don't have like a job or hobbies. It's just no, <laughs> you cookies just fill and it batteries. with all of these battery cookies. Oh, God, I I'm hate you already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I suggested wrestling with shadows and not my first suggestion, the entirety of ECW. <laughs> <laughs> would have been fine with We would have said yes. <laughs> how, how much ECW is there? Like 20 hours? 15? Not as much Ooh. as a lot Honestly, of other things. I mean, it was a promotion a for since 1990. Are we are we talking uh, pre- from the night Shane Douglas throws the belt down to the day they wrap it up? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like a lot of that's like seven years worth of content. I wouldn't Not make wow. him sit through the WWE version. No, yeah, that's 
That, that'll be another episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you for it's that. Like you got to watch the Zack Ryder ECW title made Aren't you run. dying to see Marcus Corvon? I could just feel that he you was are. good. I like he was, but he was. Yeah. I tell you, toward the end of WWE CW, I really loved it. Oh, well, it just yeah. became essentially what NXT is, right? Yeah. Where it's just like yeah. an opportunity for Christian to be a main eventer. Right. Exactly. After they figured it out, it did become kind of fun at the end. That's actually right around when Christian won the title. I was kind of like, oh, I'm starting to enjoy this. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, like Jack Swagger had an ECW main event run. Mm -hmm. Like it was just. Yeah, him and Evan Bourne, Matt Seidel, had yeah. a series of like incredible matches yeah. on yeah. ECW that no one saw. It's so strange that Ezekiel Jackson was their last champion. Yeah, and then he oh, yeah. did he wrestle a single match after that, or did he? No, because I think that was the last night. I think he won it and yeah. they wrapped it up. They but were he like, won, but like they, for coming. But, but they definitely did that to like try to push him as they like did. as like you know a pot potential main eventer on Raw or SmackDown. And he did go on to win the Intercontinental Championship. Did he? Remember. I believe he did. I used to be able to name every WWE Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion uh, in order. And wow! Now, like the last ten years, are just a blur. <laughs> they are. What's yeah, the yeah. capital of Montana? Oh, Ezekiel uh, Jackson, uh, 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 the, uh, the honky uh, talk man. <laughs> that is not correct. I believe it's Helena. Is that right? Yeah, probably. I don't I know. Think that's right. He is indeed a one-time uh, ECW <laughs> champion and a one-time Intercontinental champion. I remember him winning that title a few years back. Yeah, <laughs> I see. I, um, so, uh, speaking of today's episode, is the first in a two-part series on the Montreal Screwjob which is an unscripted professional wrestling moment that happened at Survivor Series 1997 between Shawn Michaels and Bret the Hitman Hart. It was Bret's last night in the company. He was the WWF champion at the time. He refused to lose his title as Shawn due to personal issues between the two. So an unscripted real moment between uh, Vince McMahon, where Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWE, screwed Bret Hart out of the title. Because of this, Bret held a very personal vendetta against the company until he returned in 2010. Mm -hmm. Justin, why did you want to show us stuff about the Montreal Screwjob? Well, um, <laughs> the Montreal screw job it, it fascinates me still to this day. Like, we're coming up me on too. 20 years. Yeah. And it's still endlessly fascinating to me. And even though this is, I mean, on one hand, not a great thing to bring into a podcast because this is something that has been just poured over for hours oh, and yeah. hours well, yeah. and hours on every podcast, every internet blogger, every mm -hmm. wrestling journalist. Like, this is such worn territory. Yeah. But it's still so fascinating to me. As Steven and sends somebody a text on his phone, too. <laughs> yes, great. And I thought that Wrestling With Shadows in particular would be a really interesting thing for Steven to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm fascinated to get his take on it. Yeah. Um, I know... Uh, it's something that when I first saw it, it blew my mind. Oh, yeah. And to this day, mm -hmm. it still blows my mind. Because on top of everything with Bret Hart and the screw job and that story, yep. it's also the very first time we saw any behind the scenes footage right. of professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Ever. Like this documentary was made only three or four years after WWE started coming out and saying, uh, it's predetermined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 1998, this, this came out. This was like uh, going from uh, exploratory uh, space satellites to a man on the moon, mm -hmm. right. as far as behind the scenes of wrestling goes. It exposed everything uh, shortly after they started being 
okay with the idea of exposing things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, it happened because uh, WWE was in a very desperate place at the time. And I think Vince was willing to do anything for money and publicity. And uh, of course, at the time, there would have been no way that Vince would have known that this is the way things would have turned out. Yeah. It was just supposed to be a year in the life of mm -hmm. Brett the Hitman Hart, funded by the Canadian Film Board, uh, based on this Canadian hero. What is it about, like, documentaries like that, especially for wrestling, they just always, for some reason, decide to film them at the right time when something big is going to happen. It's but, just, well, I, that's... I, what I believe happened here yeah. is yeah. I believe they finished the doc and then came back to start shooting again around the time of the screw job. Because they, yeah. Yeah, because there's cause a, lot a lot of, of news. Um, there's a, man, a lot of manipulation of time going on in this documentary. Sure. Uh, if you're familiar with the time frame of the matches they show, you know that when they cut to a year before, it's actually five months before yep. and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so it seems to me as you, there's like a big chunk of time missing where it looks like they were like, all right, we got this in the can yeah. and then there is a chunk missing. happening and I'm sure the crew came back to film that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Good what thing yeah. they did when I watched it. I was like, wait, that doesn't. That timeline doesn't line up because I know this all very well, uh, and it, it really upset me. But I'm glad you called it out. <laughs> so I'm guess, uh, glad you called it out. Before yeah. we um, job, before we got into or before we get into uh, talking about the documentary, um, mm -hmm. Stephen, what did you know about the Montreal Screwjob before this? I know that we brought it up a few times in the podcast. Yeah, quite a few and times. Always prefaced it with like, "We'll talk. We'll have an episode <laughs> about it." Yeah, um, I knew that uh, it was an episode on Radio Lab. You're right, covered extensively. I listen to Radio Lab. I like that show. Uh, I think we're better than Radio Lab. Yeah, we're better than Radio Lab. Really to say that i'll fight uh, the host of radio lab <laughs> yeah we will we sure. will fight the host uh jad abumrod and uh frank michael radio Crowich. Yeah, uh, two we'll of us guys there's down. two of us they're probably in their 40s yeah they're mm -hmm. fuck them, mm -hmm. fuck them. Yeah, um, yeah, anyway yeah. uh yeah so i i'd heard kind of the whole story of it there uh and it's funny because actually like even when i heard that story i was like nah, all right whatever like that's kind of interesting uh this weird like uh intersection of uh reality and wrestling yep but it then, even then, I was like, I don't care. And I love Radio Lab. They did a whole thing about how like cells attack each other, and I was like, this is the most compelling piece of journalism I've ever heard. Uh, and I don't know, but yeah. So I knew what it was. I, I I knew the gist of it. I think this is a very well covered story. So I feel like before this documentary or whatever, if somebody asked me, can you explain what happened in the Montreal Screw Drop? I couldn't give you any specific names, but I could tell you what happened. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, now you can give us specific names. Maybe. Okay. I really liked that episode of Radio of uh, it was Radio Lab, right? Yeah. Uh, and I just remember in the comment section, people just being furious <laughs> that they were covering professional wrestling. Really? Uh, yeah. I wow. love that. Like, yeah, I buy that. Those fucking New York intellectuals think that they're too smart for wrestling. It's good stuff, guys. When was this episode? Wow. When wow. was this Steven episode? becoming of a defender of professional a wrestling. Year yeah, that's it? That was 100% truthful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it was, it felt, felt older than that because I know it's at least older than when we've been doing this show. But, I thought but wrestling yeah. was cool again a year ago. Why are people still mad? Oh, no, it's not. Wow. Uh, <laughs> this is too bad. To comedy hear. nerds don't but constitute cool. <laughs> I don't know. The biggest tragedy of all. No, I can't find the date on this Montreal right. Screwdrop episode. That doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so I knew about it, but um, 
yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I was surprised that Wrestling with Shadows was about this. I we had talked about watching you Wrestling with Shadows. Thought it was Shadows. somebody wrestling. You thought it was about Peter Pan? No, I thought it, I just assumed Wrestling with Shadows makes it sound like somebody who's addicted to drugs and like also mm. a wrestler. Like it yeah. sounded like a very deep, heavy thing. Well, since and all really, wrestlers are addicted to drugs, yeah. it just covers it. <laughs> so that's, yeah, yeah. So that's baseline normal. <laughs> yeah, it's a paranoid schizophrenic who tries to wrestle his own shadow. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just, saw him, man. I saw him. Just this whole thing. That title feels way too dramatic for what this is is just like an unfriendly departure from a job uh but yeah okay so uh we've danced around it a little bit today we showed steven the documentary hitman heart wrestling with shadows a 1998 documentary film directed produced and written by paul jay mm-hmm. which follows world wrestling federation superstar bret hart during his last year in the wbf from his wbf championship victory at SummerSlam to his final match with the company and the infamous montreal screw job at survivor series on november 9th 1997 the film is a rare look behind the scenes of professional wrestling and an in-depth look at the mid-90s wrestling boom. Let's go to a clip of it. I described it Vince, I just assume blow my brains out would be the same, about the same, what you're asking me to do. And, and from a character standpoint, that's what I would be doing. I would be taking Brett the Hitman Hart would blow his, uh, would blow his brains out. When people say, people say wrestling, you know, they talk about wrestling not being real. It's far more real than people think. I have no sympathy for Brett whatsoever. None. I have no sympathy for someone not doing the right thing for the business that made him. Not doing the right thing for the fans and the performers and the organization who helped make him what he is today. Brett made a very, very selfish decision. Brett's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. Brett screwed Brett. I have no sympathy whatsoever for Brett. All right, great. Okay, so after probably 10 minutes of discussion of what clip we were going to show you. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now, yeah, we haven't figured it out yet, but I'll assume you either cut to the part where, as Justin said, uh, the lady said that Brett Hart convince her to get into computer graphics mm-hmm. uh it could also be the part where his sister says heart fart or it could be the part where he says yeah. uh gold dust pushes that gay homophobic button yeah is it that uh that yeah i'm gonna go got? with gay homophobic button. okay that one that's a interested direct quote. Me. i was like oh all right interesting that's Fun. a direct quote yeah yeah good stuff uh, so, uh, yeah, so now we're, we're watching this in the background um there's a lot to unpack in this documentary uh-huh. yeah um, there is yeah um uh i Agreeing with what Justin said, I definitely don't think the documentarians uh, knew that that's the way that things were going to go. Like the first half of it really really feels like a slice of life. Something that's interesting about professional wrestling, though, is like there are still conspiracy theorists that think that the screw job was like a work specifically because of this documentary. I mean, I would love to think that. I would love to think that. That would be the greatest thing if that turned out to be the fact. But I don't think it is. I I think it can't be. This actually happened. Um, yeah, it can't be. I mean, Vince, what kind of genius would Vince be if this was <laughs> fake? Right. Well, but it's like, ba- based on his all of his previous work, Vince McMahon shows that he is a genius. Have you seen films like No, Hold Bar- no Holds Barred? No Holds Barred. Or See No Evil? See No Evil, of course. Yeah. We no didn't get that. Barred, also real. Also, <laughs> so yeah, real. That's a real Christ, story. Christ, that yeah, that's real. a real thing. Yeah. Hulk Hogan really jumped through the roof of that limousine. <laughs> yeah. That documentary crew got such incredible coverage. Like when oh, they yeah. were sleeping together. That was crazy. Yeah. Best documentary film crew in the business, yeah, I said. They really are. They really are. 
I think a lot of things that have happened in WWE programming since then proves that there's no way Vince is that much of a genius that oh, this yeah. could possibly be real. Yeah, so I no. think that's confirmed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't believe the conspiracy theories. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories I do believe, but this yeah. one is uh, not one of them. Uh, that's too intriguing of a sentence. There's a lot of conspiracy theories I do believe. When I, we, I know we can't get into it. <laughs> I know uh, we can't get into no, it. No, just, just for fun, list the top five for us. You know, top five? You know, I'll say this. I'll say this, and I mean this. I think one of the real things in this entire documentary vince russo's goatee it's so real it couldn't Uh, be more real than that it's interesting because it it just proves that there's nothing about vince russo that's not disgusting (laughs) (laughs) bad glasses bad goatee i didn't which one was vince you guys have to point him out when you see him because i still don't know what vince russo looks like i just know from the voices yeah you don't Uh, know what he you don't know what he looks like but you sure do know what he sounds like Picture yeah. a slime ball, like a literal slime ball. Okay, gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, I think I know which one it was. <laughs> okay, great. I can't wait to see him. I think this is, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. Um, so right off the bat, I will say, because... There he is. There's Vince Rousseau. Yeah, there he is. That's him? Oh, bro. <laughs> bro. Bro, do I look cool, bro? That's I like, just want to know, bro, this do is, I look cool? This is Hunter Altman if he decided that like De Niro was his main inspiration for oh, clothing. Oh, yeah, I can totally see yeah, that. For all the yeah. Hunter Altman fans out there. <laughs> They're going crazy right now. <laughs> oh, it is. That's right. Yeah, Jason Wayne Christian everybody, is losing his mind. Everybody at Sketchpool, what up? <laughs> oh, man. Man, this is really, really tough to see... Uh, all these people alive? Dead people, yeah. It's every time this kind of thing happens and we go re- revisit so I, I don't know like if this. we should talk about this now or later. We'll but talk about it whenever. I, I think <laughs> Thanks, we, should, <laughs> we should fill Stephen in on what eventually happened to everyone in this we, movie. We should. Uh, and the fact that Plenty the, of death the Montreal screw job mm-hmm. uh, changed everything. Like It changed the history of professional wrestling and it changed the Hart family forever uh and there's a moment in this documentary when i rewatched it uh, the other day that really like hit hard where mm-hmm. brett talks about how he's working toward getting out of wrestling yeah because he doesn't want to be a wrestling tragedy right and mm-hmm. ironically the montreal screw job put in motion the Hart family becoming a wrestling tragedy well, becoming like one of the worst wrestling tragedies yeah. yeah turned at least a few people who aren't him into a tragedy yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well even him i mean he you know his career ended due to you know getting kicked in the head by goldberg sure. like and then he sure. had a stroke I think, like, I think maybe we save this stuff for the episode with the actual match <laughs> and the <outcome. laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. i think maybe this already yeah. sounds rough because uh, the doc the doc i think is more than just the screw job the doc yeah. is such an interesting look behind the scenes of professional wrestling. So that's well, yeah. the thing that, like, yeah, that when we're watching this, that was the thing that I is like interesting to me, and I, I almost don't understand is like that right Sonny now we're, still had dignity in this. Who Sonny? Oh no, uh, still had dignity in this already gone. How did all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, that there's just so many uh, people into wrestling in this family. This yeah. is crazy. Uh, like this dad is weird uh he's like wrestling grown oh, yeah. men and like trying to make them hurt and they're going like yes sir oh it hurts sir like all this weird i'm so see, uncomfortable that, you know, with all of that's it. a part of right re- that's another reason i wanted to show you this is because this is a part of wrestling that i feel like a lot of outside peripheral wrestling fans don't understand is the like shooter aspect and the the real wrestling aspect right and a lot you know Stu hart trained a lot of people, you know, like Chris Jericho, Chris was Jericho trained is in the one. dungeon by Steve yeah. Hart, Lance Storm, um, Chris Benoit. A lot of people, not anymore, but especially in the time that Brett and these guys were being trained and coming up, 
This mm. is how people were trained. They were trained first at how wrestling was actually done mm-hmm. before they learned how to do it to not hurt people. Right. And nowadays, they just learn how to not hurt people. Right. You don't really have too many shooters left anymore. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, back in the day, the majority of these guys, this is how they learned. They were stretched. Uh, they were put in these holds. They were broken. And then once they were broken... You were considered because basically they would go through like a hazing, yeah, before yep. they could be trained in how wrestling actually worked. Well, this like, is the great Santini, but in wrestling, well, like, um, yeah. well, like with Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, he wasn't told he didn't learn that wrestling was predetermined until the day of his first match when they told him the other guy was going to win. Let all it right. sink in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, all right. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, another example is um, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he didn't know that wrestling was. They they didn't so tell wait, him that it was real. Until, so wait, he thought he was gonna like wrestle for yeah. his life. Yeah. Yeah. Until right until, before he right walked before in. his first match, when they told him like, oh yeah, the other guy's gonna win. That's he was young, Stephen. Yeah. No, this that also, doesn't make any sense because that's back like in, that's like like a pirates duel at the fucking what is it the uh, uh treasure uh, treasure island casino in Vegas and they're like all right guys uh by the way uh, those are animatronics don't, yeah don't kill don't kill anybody and then one guy's just got like a sharp sword and a, a fucking gun and he's like wait 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 wait, wait what I, don't I do wait I signed I signed my will for nothing <laughs> back in the day your first day of wrestling school you know, they just beat the shit out of you like they would just keep beating the shit out of you until they smartened you up yeah it like, was a manly thing yeah. people like, are saddest i just when it's whatever like, well it's like there's there's no point i mean back in the day there was no point in wrestling training where they would say like okay guys this is all pretend the way that they would do it is they would kick the shit out of you and then at some point like uh hulk hogan talks about it in his biography his first day of training with i think his teacher was not rick Adozen, but a guy that like famously wrestled rick Adozen. rick Adozen, famous japanese wrestler in like the 60s 70s um uh, he trained Hulk Hogan, or not? He didn't. He didn't train Hulk Hogan, but the guy that trained Hulk Hogan, the first day of Hulk Hogan's day, uh, t- uh, the first day of Hulk Hogan's time at wrestling school. Yeah, this guy broke Hulk Hogan's leg on purpose in front of everybody to show that wrestling is real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hogan couldn't wrestle for a year. Yeah, and then had to come back to wrestling school a year later when his legs had healed. It yeah. is all, so stupid. It, it all sounds stupid and insane, but it Steven, is stupid. It is stupid. But there's, oh, it's there's, traditions. There's traditions that go back centuries. There's some. Yeah. There's something about it, Stephen. It's it's a lot like what like people like magicians do and the, how they used to live their act. Why to, do you hate tradition, Stephen? Yeah. There, there is. You should love tradition. It's ridiculous, but it's passed on from like that those vaudeville days that like the kayfabe was used to be sacred. That's why it's it's almost thrown around as a no, joke. It's exactly like how when it you decide you wanted sacred. to get into comedy, we hit you in the face with pies until yeah. you started crying. Well, that's and it was that's eight different. hours of you getting you in cried. the face with pies. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what improv classes are. You cried. Yeah, my, Matt Besser threw pies into my face for eight hours until I that's cried. Totally until, you I, said, I, until you said, <laughs> until you said, until you said, until you said, thank you, sir. Yeah, and then thank I, you, sir. And then he. Then he revealed to me what game was, and I was like, oh, game, okay, great. Uh, now I get it. No, By the way, is, enjoy your broken arm for three months. You're this not is really so comedy stupid. until you're physically assaulted by Matt Amen. Besser. He yeah. does it. Yeah, Matt Besser, Matt Besser broke All my right, neck my first day of sketch class. All right, here, let me hold I on I only have nine neck. toes. Thanks to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, this is absurd. That makes no sense. The collateral damage. <laughs> I, I need to get on this. The collateral damage for just, like, training people to wrestle is absurd. And also, like, breaking people's legs, like, there are medical bills associated. 
associated with that. Whoever's doing that is so reckless and crazy. I can't handle it. Well, it, it doesn't happen anymore, which I think is a shame because yes. we need more tradition in I this country. I can't believe it ever happened. Here's what here's we what live pisses in the era. Is like how does somebody if I if I was uh, Hulk Hogan and I was like I love wrestling brother I'm gonna learn how to wrestle and then somebody shows up and breaks my fucking leg and then I go back after a year of trying to recover and I yeah. work all this time and train and learn how to become a wrestler and then right before my first match somebody goes like hey this is all fake I guarantee I'm going Rambo well, PTSD the, and hurting everybody in the stadium. One of the reasons they did this is because they wanted to drive out the people who didn't really want to be wrestlers Yeah, yeah. and they didn't want... They they were so concerned with keeping the secret of it not being real yeah. a secret. And even in the mid-90s, there was still a lot of people who thought it was real. Absolutely. Uh, that they would break these guys to prove that it was real and uh. try to drive you away before you learned the secret. Like you had to go through that punishment in order to learn the secrets. All right. Now I'm on board because I feel like the comedy community has too many people in it. And I wish somebody, I wish Miles right? Strauss would Started choke breaking you out some arms. until your eyes burst. Yeah, Miles Strauss, and then you decide you're in. He yeah. chokes you out before you can get on a house team at yeah. TPT. Yeah, that's right. That's what I wish happened. Uh, so now I'm 100% on board. Submit? Huh? You're going to submit? You're going to fucking submit? Yeah, like, what, what, what scene what type submit? is this? <laughs> all right, let's, I, work. let's work on position play while I break your fucking arm. <laughs> Dell used to do this to me all the time. But I, but I do think, but I do think that comedy does have that where it's like, you know, it's like career cut. Co- like one, it's like, it's hard to develop a career in comedy and stuff like that. And it's like, it is something where you have to like, if you're a stand up, do five open mics a night in like terrible bars in front of zero people. Like there is, there's a, I feel like in wrestling, it was more the, uh, like in professional wrestling, it's, it was sort of built into it. Whereas comedy, it's just, a, it's just what it is. Like, okay. like professional, or like, it, there's a tradition to it in professional wrestling, whereas in comedy, in developing a comedy career, it's just like how you do it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I, I want to point out we're up, we're we have it on in the background. We're up mm-hmm. to the point where uh, you see Brett and Pat Patterson put a match together. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was so this interesting was to me. So it's so cool. This was mm-hmm. the first time ever, and I don't even know. Yeah, they, if I don't think they've done it since. It's yeah. ever been shown before how a match is put together. Yep. Uh, this didn't excite me, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. I want to let you guys uh, enjoy talking about people putting matches but together. Th- this is, is the fun. equivalent of like if you <laughs> saw the whitest kids you know right before they put a sketch up, and you heard them say like, "Oh, and then you could do this. To, we could do this to make it funnier or whatever." And then yeah. you fall in the gravy. Oh man! Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> fall in the gravy. Except oh, for man. this is like for wrestling. This would be the equivalent of like. Uh, I don't know who's the greatest sketch team of all. <laughs> like my, watching my well, watching local business but, uh, comedy. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It, it uh, would literally be like it would literally be like uh for some for some ungodly reason you got to go back to the the 70s and like see like the initial SNL cast right before the right. Oh, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to go out and do that thing and then you do the bit and then I walk in and then and then I'll I'll hang for a while and then <laughs> she walks in and we uh, all do the thing and it's like, I love oh that one. That's my favorite. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying though, the one right? They hang for a while. It's oh, like yeah, watching yeah. those guys. It's like it seems like it seems like such such a, an easy stupid thing, but they're just putting together what they're going to do. Yeah. For the night. That's interesting because, uh, yeah, that we doesn't, know it's all predetermined. Well, that that's the thing. Like I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, that doesn't actually excite me a lot. Like if you, you know, if somebody is like, oh, here's how we're going to do this bit. I'm like, yeah, just do a good bit, man. Like, I don't I mean, I don't I guess I don't really care how it's put together. 
because half of that's myth anyway. But I we still like. know our main beats and our main spots and mm-hmm. what we have to hit to make sure that people laugh and are entertained and we get right. what we want I mean, out of that it. That could just be fundamentally us being different as people. Like I, yeah. like, I love like... I like I love figuring out how the sausage is made. I love talking about like oh like how how did you come up with this bit or like side tangent mm. People don't put enough fennel in their sausage anymore. That's just my opinion. Serious? Fennel's yeah, yeah. the worst part they of sausage. It needs more fennel. Oh, you're joking. No, right? I'm not joking. It needs more fennel. I'm so I'm fucking so mad happy right that now. you're mad about this because sausage needs more fennel. Every time I bite into one of those little fuckers, I'm like, God damn, my life's ruined. I don't think they put enough fennel in Italian sausage you're anymore. A, they really you're don't. The worst. We'll Get save out. this for another day. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, I don't know. That's all I had to say. Oh, okay. Another reason why I brought this in is because. Back in the day when I used to try to get people into wrestling, which I've given up on. Uh, of yeah, course. Uh, uh, as you guys will eventually. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm in. I used to show All the them, millions we make off of this show? I don't true. know, Justin. Yeah, as long as it's rolling in. Uh, I used to show people either this or Beyond the Mat mm-hmm. to try to get them into wrestling. Um, and sometimes it would work. Uh, but I, I, like, I found that showing people matches never worked. Mm-hmm, but right. showing them this or showing them beyond the mat every now and then it would get people intrigued. Which those two are like the holy twofecta of of, <laughs> of wrestling, wrestling docs. Yeah, yeah, they really are. It's like those plus like Roman Reigns, Hard Day's Night or whatever. Three, yeah, like oh, the one where they did before he did WrestleMania. Is that just him Roman doing Reigns remade Hard Day's Night. <laughs> I don't know. It's something like whatever the Roman Reigns documentary that uh, they did for the do network. Do you want to hear a story about four British lads? <laughs> uh, so, Stephen, uh, I want to yeah. ask you: Did this? Did you learn more about how wrestling works from watching this? Yeah. Or in, get any appreciation of I I honestly didn't feel like I learned a lot, and that might just did be, you watch it at two speed? Justin just uh, dropped his I hand went, in absolute fury. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it at twenty speed. Okay, um, great. No, I you know when I was like I guess a lot of the like points of it that came out I feel like have been alluded to or spoken to me about uh, on this podcast uh, a little bit. Like even just like yeah, how they kind of book a match or plan out the spots of a match. Even that I feel like I've kind of heard a little bit about before. Um, I, <laughs> you know, the the thing that you can kind of see in this that um, uh, can can maybe get me a little bit of appreciation for it is just that like people really caring about doing their jobs. I like people mm-hmm. who care about doing their jobs and uh, Bret Hart is clearly one of those people um, cares about his job and he likes what he does. That is um, one thing even when you don't like things on the show is that you do at least tend to gravitate towards the idea of well, I don't give a shit, but at least these people care about doing yeah, their like job. Yeah, like well. he looks like he's having a fun. We all have to appreciate that in some capacity. I, with I, anyone. Yeah. So I like that. Um, you know, there's some stuff in this that I found like I just like kind of didn't get. Like he's he talked about in the very beginning. He's like, you know, the hitman character it stands up for the right causes and stuff like that. And I'm like, what is he talking about? He just wrestles. He doesn't. Well, he do... did though. That that is what his character did. But like, how he was always a man of integrity. How. By by not being an asshole, by not being a bad guy, by not being a jerk, okay. by always doing what was right, by being respectful, by going out there and being a guy who had the matches, being the... Because okay. this was before, and they talk about it in the documentary, this is at the beginning of the kind of like Shades of Grey era of wrestling. Right. Yeah, We're sure. kind of still in. Right. Like even though John Cena and Roman Reigns are these like superheroes, they'll punch a guy first. Like they'll jump a guy... The, the the good guys, the heroes nowadays, really don't have the integrity that a character mm-hmm. like Bret Hart had. Mm-hmm. And he was very concerned 
with keeping his character's integrity. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it seemed a little quaint and a little like kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But now, I think now especially when you see guys like Cena and like nowadays, the WWE has a tendency to write their good guys to not be the best people, even though they're supposed to be mm-hmm. these like heroes for, for kids. It's a PG product geared toward children. John Cena's still an antagonizer. It's still an antagonizer. Because Vince McMahon's yeah. thing for a while punch, has been like... At first, yep. they'll, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll cheat. They There's... Very little integrity left in the in the good guys in professional wrestling. Yeah, mm-hmm. only I, with Jack Galler. Only Jack Galler. Oh, the best. <laughs> and I don't like it. And in retrospect, Brett was right. Like I think we would be in a better place now if the good guy, if your main good guy characters were were allowed to have integrity. Right. right. And that was one of the things that was so great about Brett. That and him being one of the best wrestlers ever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a shame. It was a shame. So Brett me, was and, Brett was truly that good guy and, and that type of character throughout the 80s. And yeah. like Justin said, we happen to also be catching it right at like the dawn of the quote unquote attitude era. Right. And like ECW and a lot of things, people wanted blood. They were hungry for something different. They wanted these uh-huh. anti heroes. And so right at the time, we do get that glimpse of. All of that time before what we're seeing, he was that hero. And this is that time that we're seeing right now when he turned he turned heel because the crowd was turning on that type of character. Yeah. The other thing that you need to know at the same time is that this is also an interesting look. This kind of to play devil's advocate with my own Mm -hmm. point. Uh, This is a fascinating look at how a lot of times wrestlers can kind of get lost in between what is real and what's oh, not. Oh, 100%. The lines between their character and them can blur. Mm-hmm. And that happened with both Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, mm-hmm. where Shawn became a bad guy on TV because he was a fucking asshole Truly believed in real he was life. sexy right. boy. And yeah, yeah, he bought into it. So well, you have Shawn buying into him being that and Brett buying into him being a hero. Yeah. So now next thing you know, the stuff that's happening to his character, he's taking personally. Right. And it's the line is starting to be blurred between the integrity of the character and the integrity of him and everything's just chaos. Yeah. So Steven, you, got, you look like you got a lot of points. To I do. Out. So yeah. let me hop in on the first one. It I sounds like have, a little... I have, uh, I'll tag on something. Joey's shaking a <laughs> banana. <at laughs> he really is. Guys, uh, I didn't eat breakfast jo- Joey... He's threatening him with a banana. Joey showed up to my apartment with no less than like 800 calories in his hand and just like, I'm ready to eat. I'm ready for podcasts. Well, look uh, at him. He's seven foot tall. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm seven that. feet tall, 400 pounds. He's I gotta constantly eat. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like the thing about uh, Brett's Har- Brett Hart's character is he was yes he's a, a man of integrity although I, I will say that I don't uh, know 100% how that translates I also just have a weird uh, my macro view of wrestling it just like uh, is above time in a way like I've like I've seen stuff from the 80s and the 90s and today and I just don't know what's what anymore that all kind of like if you watch together. the Star Wars films out of order yeah exactly yeah. like oh. I don't know oh yeah 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 but yeah. very we shortly we learned with Attack of the Clones yeah and moved on to Jedi <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but yeah, what's yeah. interesting about that is like you're you're saying like they start to blur like make these characters in a gray area which is like kind of became very much in vogue but also I think is like maybe not good for any media in a lot of ways like I totally agree. 
Superman mm-hmm. is that yeah. now? Batman versus Superman. They're both assholes. And you're like, yep. no, at least if, at the very least, Superman's a very, very good guy. So right. there's no good reason why he's going to kill Batman. And why is this happening? And the, I was just at uh, I was just watching uh, Star Wars, the newest one, the Rogue One that came out. Mm-hmm. And the trailer for that, uh, before it was Transformers, where Optimus Prime is a bad guy now, like the hero of the whole thing. And then also... Uh, uh, the fate of the furious Vin Diesel, the guy who's all about family, has <laughs> turned on his whole crew, and now he's trying to kill his family members. I'm like, why can't we just Vin have Diesel's good the guys? bad guy in the fate he's of the, the furious? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I think it may be it's some like sort mind of like mind control. control. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, which is, which is like also what's going on with Optimus the car Prime. Or something. By the way, but I, I trailed off short, until I heard that. A, a I'm short right back little, in. A short little thing that I'm Please. not. I I don't think I'm supposed to be saying in public, but it's so good. Say it anyway have to do it uh, and it's wrestling and fast and the furious related uh i have been told mm. by someone very high up in the fast and the furious franchise Uh-oh. that rock has it in his contract that he cannot lose a fight in oh, the yeah. fast and the furious films we've talked yeah. about this yeah yeah be a draw or there has to be some sort of <laughs> act of nature yeah that causes the fight um, end. That's, that's, right. that's so the car impress- crash. He has brought, yeah, the- brought pro wrestling politicking over who's going to win and lose. I mean, that's in the, the films a major motion picture. I mean, that's, wow. the, that's the impression that I got. I think in like I think it was Fast Five Damn. when um, Vin Diesel and uh, The Rock had their like their brawl. Is like. This feels like a wrestling match, not in the sense of the rocks in it, but it feels like a wrestling match in the sense of like, oh, it ended in such a way that it was like that they're both equal. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody looked weak coming out of that. Yeah. No, nobody yeah, put anybody the first, over. The, the no? last uh, Fury, Fury Seven, I believe, they, like Jason Statham and the Rock had a thing, and yeah, Jason Statham ran away, even though Jason Statham, for story, needed to win that fight. Jason yeah. Statham like ran away, and it was like, wait, what? <laughs> Why does this happen? Mm-hmm. So that make that enlightens it in a funny way. But the other thing I want to say too is like. It's interesting you talk about blurring the lines a little bit. Uh, I mean, wait, one- does, does The Rock think that he's think that he's this character from Fast and the Furious? Luke oh Hobbs, God, yeah. What yeah. Happening? Who, 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 <laughs> we need to get him some help. We need someone. <laughs> he thinks he like, you know like, The Rock. Like he bro- we need to get him help. Yeah. Like, God, we have like, to. He, like he broke his arm and now he like tries to flex out his cast. Yeah. It's like, Rock, <laughs> God, don't do that. Like they tell him that the movies are real. He like, doesn't we come really- back to L.A. because he thinks it was destroyed in an earthquake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it is interesting. The whole city is We in really the fault. need you to steal this bank vault with this tank, Rock. Yeah. You talk about like uh, like the characters blurring the lines between their mm-hmm. characters and reality. I mean, you can kind of see that happening. There's an early line in this, and Vince McMahon is like, you know, uh, Brett screwed Brett. I have no sympathy for him. And it's like, wait, are you... You should like at the very. You should. That's your employee. But on and TV, if you chose for McMahon, he did not. Yeah, he's a bad guy, biggest bad guy in the history. But of I wonder. Not yet at this point, he wasn't. This but was the I, yeah. first time he was on TV as the owner of the yeah, company. This created Mr. McMahon. But I wonder if that's the type of thing where it's like they're they're kind of losing it. Brett, you know, uh, Brett lost a match in like you know in an improv scene or like in comedy. Comedy sometimes people are bad guys or stupid or whatever, and uh, you have to embrace that. And instead, at the end of this match. Uh, uh, Brett spits in Vince McMahon's face. He spits in his oh, yeah. face. And I was like, I mean, I get it partially, but also <laughs> you have a job to do. You're, you should be just doing your job. Uh, I mean, we can blur the lines uh, a lot. Joey and I started fighting on this podcast and we started fighting in real life. He physically attacked me. Yeah, I did. I, that's why he's got 10 stitches on his forehead. <laughs> that's yep. right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think you got a little bit of blood coming out of it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, one <laughs> thing. Yeah, you feel, you feel that blood. You feel that blood. One of the things that the documentary doesn't go into, and I think we didn't learn until 
maybe just like five, six years ago when they came back together, came back. was that the feud between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels started as a work. Yeah. It started yeah. as a thing that the two of them were trying to do so that when Brett returned after going off to shoot his TV show, mm -hmm. they would have a big storyline together. And they did it so well that even the other wrestlers thought that Brett and Sean hated each other. Because they were getting just a little time, bit, they were getting like it, a little personal in their yeah. insults. Like, uh, yeah. well, and then over time, it morphed into them actually hating each other. Yeah. I mean, that's such a thing that like, it's just, it's interesting because I think uh, you can kind of, unintentionally create uh through acting or like trying to tell a story or whatever you can't unintentionally create that to become a reality uh there's it like a happen. lot of weird well, studies a, of like things that that like that didn't a, totally happen in real life it, it's something that the beastie boys talk about a lot where like they um when they released their first album they were like it was like all party boy rap but they they made those albums to make fun of frat boys like a fight for your right to party sure, right. was like a, that was a satire that was supposed Absolutely. to be a satire song but like all these frat guys all of a sudden started to go to their concerts that like didn't get that it was satire right so all of a sudden they started putting it on and they became like jock assholes for right. a couple of years <laughs> because like that's just you know it's like you become what you make fun of yep. yeah. that's like that's the the thesis statement of that group of what they've said is like the thing that they've learned in 30 years of music is yeah. that. They and did, I think that that's true of like, you know, comedy and wrestling and just like life. Is it's like, life. It's everything. There's this insane uh, psychological study done of way before they had like more ethics in psychology, but it was basically they told kids uh, that didn't have stutters. You have a stutter and you or you're about to have a stutter and you need to do everything you can that when you think you're going to stutter, don't stutter. And they all developed stutters. Stutters. They like fucked them into believing that they had it and it worked and it w lasted their whole lives. Like they yeah. ruined people's lives like this. Uh, it's just interesting. Like, wow. uh, there, I mean, Vince McMahon's Much doing like the same Vince thing. Vince McMahon yeah. ruined the life of Bret Hart. Yeah. 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 It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exact, those, exact same thing. The, uh, do you think those kids developed stone cold stutters? <laughs> yes. Oh, like a stutter. Yeah, like a stutter. 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 Yeah. Nice, Nick. Thanks. I feel good <laughs> yeah. about it. I feel yeah. real yeah. good about yeah. it. Yeah. Too sweet, me, bro. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. They did it. Uh, great. So we're we're coming up on the the last part of this documentary, the mm -hmm. the actual match. Uh, I just like to say, just to go back a little bit to what Justin's saying was too about how you were saying playing devil's advocate about them really buying into their own shit. It is also kind of ridiculous too is you as the viewer and you're such a wrestling fan and you're getting such so caught up in this stuff that if you also do remove yourself from watching what we're watching and you kind of think to yourself like yeah they're these grown men are like worried about the ramifications of their character and all the millions they're gonna make it's like it is almost so much about like pride you mm -hmm. kind of have to remove yourself even watching it being like dude this is kind of fucking ridiculous but, but that's something yeah. I, that, I can totally play that realistically and, you but, know I, I when this first came out i think i thought it was more ridiculous than i do now yeah i i definitely sided more with vince when this happened mm -hmm. than I do now. Mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of get it. Yeah, I, I definitely thought it was ridiculous back then. Uh, but yeah, as I've gotten older and like spent more time in my career, mm -hmm. um, I sympathize more with Brett. Yeah, and I understand both sides. I still do. I still don't know. I don't know if we can ever really say who's right and who was truly I mean, wrong. I, know. I actually, I had the exact opposite reaction. I was like, I was hardcore team Brett when this first came out. And now I'm like siding more with Vince as I get older. Why? Um, okay, so the reason for that is he's a heel. 
um, is that like, you know, I hate integrity. Sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that just I was uh, in the, the second part of this episode or of this uh, two part episode. We're going to watch the match. Mm-hmm. Um, like the story of the match does not lend itself to a screw job ending. The story to it and like, the story to it lends itself to a clean finish. And like it's sort of like if it would have ended in like a weird schmoz ending, it just like the story that they built up would not have been served. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, so you feel like Brett didn't do his job by not saying he'll lose. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just um, I think that uh, Brett was in a difficult spot where it's like, you know, you want to uh, he understood what the story of his character was. Mm-hmm. And the story of his character was is that he was filled with integrity. He was the king of Canada, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And to him, it would kill his character if he lost clean in the middle of the ring to Shawn Michaels in Canada, right. which would prove that one Canada is inferior to America Two, Shawn Michaels, who he viewed as a sleazeball was right. Um, and I think that, um, like to Sean, to Bret Hart's credit, yeah, that would kill his character to Vince McMahon's credit. Like Bret Hart was leaving the company. So like it made sense for his character's story to end. And I think that's part of the issue with wrestling is like wrestlers sort of have to manage their own characters. And, Mm. um, the problem with it is your career, you know, if you're good lasts 20 years and, um, like you have to manage your character through those 20 years. Whereas maybe in storyline terms, it doesn't make sense for that. Like, but also like some wrestlers only have, you know, one year worth of story in them. And then that's like a fulfilling story. Like Zach Gowan's not a guy that should, I knew you were going to say that he's not a guy that should main event wrestling. Uh, the one legged wrestler we talked about a few episodes ago. Okay. Um, he's not a guy that should have necessarily a 20 year career. Right. He's a guy that comes in and has a really good story for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, yeah, but that's the thing is like, what's it uh, looking at it from the other side? It's like, you know, it sounds like Vince forced uh, Brett out, right? Like, is that, am I wrong in that? From my understanding of this documentary, is well, that not I, I accurate? Think what ended up happening because, really like the company was on the brink of going under right uh wcw they were killing them killing in the ratings right. even though i 1997 uh is possibly my favorite year in the history of wwf mm-hmm. even though no one was watching it and wcw was doing so well in the ratings i thought wwf was by far the superior ridden show mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the wrestling was also much better. I mean, you had your Eddie Guerrero's, your Benoit's and people like that in WCW, mm-hmm. but they weren't being utilized yeah, not the yet. way that yeah. your Bret Hart's, your Shawn Michaels, your Undertaker, your Steve Austin, your Mankind's were being utilized in WWF. Right. And I also thought the, the Canada versus U.S. stuff was just fantastic mm-hmm. because they were switching back and forth at the time between having Raw in Canada and America. And you see a little bit in the doc, but Bret Hart was a bad guy in America, a good guy in Canada. Yeah, that was cool. Which I love that. very cool. Steve Austin was a good guy in America and a bad guy in Canada. Right. And just as Michael's fascinating television. Always gets mm-hmm. shit on in Canada, too. It still continues yep. in, in many ways. The, the whole year is very interesting. It started with this crazy... Uh, Royal Rumble in San Antonio in front of 70,000 people mm-hmm. um, and then ends up with the Montreal Screwjob mm-hmm. and you also have like the first Hell in the Cell and you have Austin 316 and it's just a fascinating year to me and I could not understand at the time 
why people were enjoying WCW over WWF. Well, yeah, totally. I thought that WCW was a lot of like flash. It was like, you know, they can afford monster trucks. There's a monster truck rally on the right. roof of a building or whatever. It's and like, they were right. relying on shock TV of who's yep. going to jump ship and who's going to show up instead of relying on actual storylines. Good storylines. Where WWF storylines at the time were the best they had been in years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was completely hooked in. Um, and this was just like the culmination of everything. It was such a weird, like, it was such a weird time. And I don't know. I just find it so fascinating. As I've mentioned on here in the, the podcast before, ni- between 97 and 98 is when I really started to get into professional wrestling, too. And that's like I had a lot of that was like the first time where a lot of my friends were really involved in it. And 97, a little bit, maybe even early 96, like when I my uncle would watch it. But 97 is when I really started to like see it more like see more on TV, see the action figures and all the 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 merchandise and the play the video games and stuff. That's when I really started to get into it. And it, it was like probably about mid 97. And WWF was the thing I cling to right away. Like WCW didn't impress me at all as a kid. And I was like, I, I just instantly clung to WWF. And as I've gone back to, yeah, 97 is it's kind of a crazy it's a crazy year, year with a lot of big stuff. happening. A lot of big stuff. And it's so so yeah so wwe or wwf at the time was at a real low point and this is also just a year or two removed from the steroid trial Mm -hmm. yeah uh, vince mcmahon's trial that almost ended the company Mm -hmm. so there's still he's trying to come back from the steroid trial steroid trial he's trying to come back from losing all these wrestlers to wcw so basically the offer he made brett (laughs) Because Kevin Nash had left not that long before this. Yeah, Razor um, Ramon. Probably about a year. What was it, a year? That's yeah, they're about, about right. 96. Yeah, Scott Hall had left. One, two, three kids. Sean Walman. All these people. Dennis Rodman. And it felt like... <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Rodman. And sure. it felt like they couldn't lose Brett. Yeah. So from what I understand is Vince made Brett a deal that he knew he couldn't fulfill. Mm-hmm. Kind of with the hope that business would turn around. Better. Oh, uh, okay. Because people were saying you cannot lose him. Yeah. yeah. And business didn't get better. Okay. So at that point, he legitimately could not pay Brett this mm-hmm. contract that he had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I understand happened was that Vince told him he had to break the deal and that he wanted to continue with Brett working there. Yeah. But at a lower amount of money right and then brett said no and brett but he also vince also said if you don't want to take this please open up negotiations with wcw Mm -hmm. so you could see it as vince i don't know like i don't i think it was gracious of vince to offer him to let him out the deal to go to wcw Mm -hmm. right and cash in and make all of this yeah, money, nine million dollars right. for two years or whatever. And there's there's a part of me that like, if Brett is, and I love Brett, but there's a part of me that feels like if Brett is so filled with integrity, why didn't he take less money right and stay? Sure. Right? And the irony to all of this is him leaving and the Montreal screw job is one of the things that started propelling the company back to the top. Right. And yep. if Brett had taken less money and stayed, right. he probably would have ended up making more money in WWF because it, it was all based on 
they would get a downside guarantee, right? Meaning that they wouldn't make less than this amount of money, right? But if business went up, they right. would make more money, right? And it was shortly after this that business skyrocketed. The screw job very well without it. WCW very well could have won the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. It's absolutely there's a, a an absolute scenario where that really could have happened, mm. and maybe they would have gone under anyway, and there would be no big wrestling company. So I definitely think that, that we would be the number one, baby. He, yes, yeah. we would. I don't think he was like firing Brett. Yeah, I think it was that he had to renegotiate the contract. I see. Mm-hmm. And I understand where Brett was coming from, too. You know, he had just signed this 20-year deal. Right. And then a year into it, he's like, right. I can't pay you. Yeah, They're JK. back on it. Yeah, that is that is tough. It's, it's, and also yeah. this, it wasn't very long after this that Vince was able to find a lot of money for Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. So if you look at it that way, that's pretty fucked up, too. Oh, yeah, that's so. Effed. I don't know. Yeah. It could also be a thing where Shawn Michaels was Vince's golden boy. Right. Like mm-hmm. Vince fucking loves Shawn Michaels. I'm sure more than he loves Linda McMahon. Yeah. Or yeah. Has ever loved Linda McMahon. Loved him so much he sang the theme song originally. <laughs> yeah. Linda loves him. So there, it could have also come from a place. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Shawn was like, I can't work with Brett anymore. Mm-hmm. And if Sean was going to be the number one guy, which he was supposed to be, or at least the number one bad guy, yep. I could see a scenario here where he was like, I don't want Brett around. Totally. At this point, Brett had been around for so long. I could see Vince being like, well, he's run his course. Like, who knows? We'll never well, know yeah, exactly well, and I guess what that, was going through their mind. I guess that that's where I am maybe with siding with Vince a little bit more is like, uh, Brett talks about in the documentary how his concern is that like, he was the top baby face and then he became the top heel. But then they were in a spot where like Shawn Michaels was sort of becoming the top heel. So like, you know, he's, he's probably because of all the things that he said, probably can't go back to being a top baby face. So like he would have to be like a mid Carter, I guess. And I think that like an issue that I have with wrestling oftentimes is it's like, you know, John Cena is the top baby face for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, you know, a lot of the concern with Roman Reigns is like, Oh, he's taking Cena's spot, so he's just going to be the top. Like some guy I don't like is going to be the top babyface for a decade. And that didn't used to happen. This is still in a time period where guys would come and go all the time. Sure, yeah, and yeah, it was, was refreshing. Yeah, like I remember when I was a kid, like because they wouldn't lock him into contracts, right? Yeah, like you'd have somebody like Ravishing Rick Rude, yeah, who was in WWE for like three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then he left. Then he came back, and when he came back, it was great to have him back because he'd been deal. gone for a couple of years, well, I mean, and that would happen all the time. Well, I mean, even before that, when like George the Animal Steel would like roll into different territories for a month exactly. over the summer mm-hmm. in the seventies and eighties. So like, I, I don't believe that Brett's character was damaged beyond repair. Hmm. I just no, I don't feel think like so either. At the time, it would have taken a little while to get him back, yeah. and if he, I understand his feeling of like. Now that Sean's a bad guy, you know, he doesn't want to be the number two bad guy. But I also feel like that wasn't something that was like planned. Like they had to turn Shawn Michaels bad yep. because the giant prick inside of him was shining <laughs> so brightly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fans couldn't cheer for him. Right. Uh, so I think everyone was in a weird, awkward position. Plus mm-hmm. the company was going out of business and they were in this legit war. It's just a lot. I think knowing what we know now as fans and people and looking back at this stuff that the screw job, I I almost still don't even know whose side to take of like who I really think was right. But I I think knowing what we know now and looking back at it 20 some years later is that 
it was almost inevitable and maybe even necessary for it to happen. I don't know if anything else could have happened because there were it's such a crossroads of so many different scenarios business-wise, contract-wise, wrestler-wise, pride-wise, character-wise. Then there's layers of like business and ego and all of these things that I don't know if anyone else, I don't know if anyone could have won. Like I understand that Brett didn't want to drop the title and all he wanted to do was get a DQ finish and surrender it the next day. That sounds fine to me, but I also understand Vince McMahon's position of like, no, it. this is the company, this is the business that we're in. I don't care. You, you, I'm asking you to drop the belt. It's your job. So and I understand. It ha- and, it, and it happened well, with Medusa, with Alundra Blaze. Uh, yeah. Not that long before. And I mean, we showed Steven this where uh, Medusa yeah. dropped the women's title in the garbage can. We showed it to you episode two, I think. She left with the title. Yeah. She was the women's champion. Dropped she it left the with the title, went to WCW television. We watched it with the character. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm at, is it the same thing? Like you, she knew her contract was up and then they were like, she, fine, yeah, you she can signed leave as and went over there. No, they, like they didn't know she was, they, right. they knew her contract was up, but yeah. she didn't, they didn't know she was leaving and she didn't, yeah. they didn't know she was taking the belt with her. So this sounds yeah. like a, to me, it just sounds like a failure of egos all around, but yeah, also I agree like, with that. It's, you know, you, you, you guys say like, I've heard this before from you guys, like you can't have somebody leave a champion and it's like, you know what? You can, like you, you can do it. You well, guys yeah, just chose, but, but, but it's like you're, you're, you're saying that there's no scenario in which that's beneficial for both. And it's like, you guys, the wrestling has come up with a lot of crazy, insane things. If they can't like get creative and find a way to make a guy who's, you know, done right by Vince or whatever on his way out, like kind of do right by that storyline, then like they kind of suck. You know, as a teenager, when this happened, I couldn't imagine a worse thing in life happening <laughs> than the WWF World Heavyweight Championship ending up on WCW television. Yeah, it, really? it's, yeah. It, it's, I agree. it's like it's blasphemous. It's complete. Yeah. I was panicking about it. I was literally <laughs> panicking about it. It was keeping me up at night. You like Vince, got in your car. You're going to drive to Stanford and, like, and wrestle Vince had been hands. burned once, as you said, with the Alundra Blaze Medusa thing. So no matter what. The, another one of the many things at that that crossroads to me is like then there's also a level of paranoia where it's like this has already happened once and even though Brett's saying what he's saying to me to my face I can't let that scenario of oh my god it's bad enough when one of my wrestlers that I didn't know are showing up on the other program mm-hmm. now what if he takes the the the, the icon of our entire company and the thing as, that we all but work it's all for fake shows not up. real anyway but there's still but there's still egos and there's still pride right. and there's still branding it's but still a thing well, but that's silly when I, <laughs> getting well, caught so, up in well, that is silly so a lot is of a football game I've talked about this it a lot is. where like a lot of professional wrestling is perceived toughness it's like you you want to believe yes. that the champion the WWE champion is the toughest guy, best fighter, you know, in terms of kayfabe or in terms of the world of wrestling. Which is why sure. Stu Hart um, used to break people in his basement. Like, so the, perceived toughness. So the reason that it's bad for Bret Hart to leave with the title is like Bret Hart as the champion is presumably the toughest guy in the federation. Mm-hmm. If he leaves with the championship or without being defeated and goes to WCW and then is beaten by the beaten by their lowest card guy, right. then that proves that everybody in WWE is worse than everybody in WCW in a perceived toughness thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And as a fan, especially in that era where it's like sort of the state of the business being a worker, being uh, you know, being a worker, being a shoot is like a little bit gray. Like, even though they've kind of gone out and said it, it's still as fans. It's like they, you know, they still protected it a little bit like that mattered. There were there were genuine conversations of who would win in a fight between Stone Cold Steve Austin or Goldberg or like Mortis and The Undertaker or like Mm -hmm. Sting and John Cena. And like if Bret Hart were to go were to 
undefeated, take the championship to WCW, throw it in the trash can and lose to Gilberg, then that kind of buries that. everything. It, it buries the Federation and it proves that everybody there is a lesser wrestler or less tough or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I just say that lacks the imagination to figure out a story in which that you can tie it up and whatever. I mean, that's fair. I mean, like, well, it's, yeah, it's their a world... fault that they didn't figure it out sooner. Right. You're not wrong. Right. Uh, but I, but I, I get it. I get you, I hear you, you and I get that it. When you have a guy saying that he's not going to lose. How do you have? And we don't know what what Shawn Michaels was refusing to do either. Like, yep. Shawn could have been yelling, right. "I'm not losing to Brett." Like, yeah, I get that. I mean, d- dude, I totally get it. I don't know. I can't possibly write all the scenarios that were going on and find the perfect thing. But I'm just saying, like, we know through the hundreds of years of uh, storytelling and whatever that people have lost heroically. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, we've seen that happen a million times. And in fact, we sometimes we like it more. There's a scenario in which we can find the perfect one for everybody i think it's just like as a lack of creativity or a lack of willing to try because of ego they're building to wrestlemania this is november wrestlemania is in march Mm -hmm. they know that steve austin wins the title at wrestlemania Mm -hmm. and becomes the face of the company right and they need to get there so it's not just a case of trying to come up with a creative finish for this match to get the belt off of brett Mm -hmm. they also have to keep all the other storylines that they have planned for the next four or five months yeah. going to get to that WrestleMania. Everything right. has to serve the next five so steps there's ahead. There's only so many ways that they can go about getting there without Sean looking mm-hmm. horrible or Austin looking horrible. And you don't want Austin winning the belt before Mania because it ruins WrestleMania. Right. There's so many things going into it storyline-wise. Yeah. And, and plus egos. Plus mm-hmm. egos and contracts. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was it was such a... And like, Bret Hart had the, like, creative control clause in this contract. And I think one of the reasons that I sided with Vince more than Bret back in the day was that I thought, well, Bret Hart's the best wrestler in the world. He'll be fine. There was no way of knowing what would happen to him and his family because of this. Mm-hmm. Right. And now looking back, knowing everything that happened, it, it makes this situation more difficult to watch. And I start siding more with Brett. But I mean, mm-hmm. who knows? It was. A, it sounds like it was a lose lose scenario, regardless. It oh, it but it, not. But because I don't think to yeah, me it, it turned is. WWF around. Right. Oh, right. for and everybody like, involved, I'm saying in that moment it was. A, yeah. It's like I don't know in who to moment, pick. I don't know sure. who won there. Yeah. But for WWE, it was a win 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 win. Also, say this: Brett leaving w- as a, and I mean, die hard. WWF fan like I hated WCW like <laughs> right. I oh, yeah, same firmly same. in the yeah. camp of WWF hated WCW did not understand why people were into WCW me neither angered me the people mm-hmm. that WCW was winning when WWF had the far better product Brett was the first person who was leaving that I thought mattered right when Hogan left it was like good riddance. Amen. I, I loved Hogan, right. but his time was up. Yep. Yeah. And if you weren't going to do anything new with him, please get out of the way mm-hmm. for Brett and yeah. go to WCW. Well, yeah, like when, when Lex Man Luger left, left, it was like it was whatever. Like, you know, I love Macho, but his career is winding up. If it, it winding down, if he's just going to be a commentator, go. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was even Luger. Fine. Who cares? Yeah, Luger. Who cares? <laughs> and I was totally fine with Hall and Nash leaving. Mm-hmm. I hated Nash hated Nash. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was just a Hogan wannabe outside of the matches he had with Brett and Sean. Yep. I was I hated Nash. And Hall I liked, but again, guys came and went. Yeah. And Hall had spent 
enough time there, I felt like. He kind of hit a plateau for a while. Yeah, plateaued. Mm -hmm. So none of those guys, like, I was more upset that they had Eddie Guerrero than I was. Guys that you actually they, did like that right. could see contributing. Uh, sure. And Jericho. Like, I just wanted Jericho to leave so bad and Me too. Like, guys like that. He was one of the few things I ever liked on WCW. I would see clips of Jericho or like flip over and be like, this guy's so fucking yep. funny. But, but Brett, it was like, no. Yeah. No, yep. no, 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 no. <laughs> like, how can we lose Bret Hart? Well, yeah, it, Bret was a top guy in his prime. Yeah. Yep. Whereas yep. Hogan was like very clearly like, uh, he passed his prime. Right. Well, we're gonna get to the match in our part let's, uh, let's, two uh, episode. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go run and review Wrestling with Shadows yeah. real quick. Let's do it. Yeah, great. So when I was watching this, um, you know, I, I like I said, I knew a little bit about it. Uh, there was some some things that were kind of interesting for the behind the scenes. Like I, there was a moment where uh, there were like the bunch of the wrestlers were playing with, I believe like Bret Hart's kids. And I kind of like that. Like we talked a little bit once about, I think it was during like a food fight thing. You guys are like, Oh, that's like wrestlers as family. I'm like, that's not anything. That's like, that's stupid. I hate watching this. And I was like, Oh, this is like, these are like people who, yeah, they like work together and they know each other's kids like that. I don't know. I liked it. Like I gained a lot of empathy for those people all mm -hmm. of a sudden. And I like for this. Did you not know wrestlers were people? <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's not what I mean, but I don't, I don't feel like are very often. Are using them with the characters too, Stephen? Uh, they are, it's right? Like well, the lines bangers. have been blurred. Yeah, yeah. The Undertaker's a real wrestling zombie. How does that well, work? And he's also a wizard. So, um, no, I uh, I guess it's just that, like, that's the side that I feel like uh, a human side is something that we don't see a lot. And I, one of my, like, one of uh, my many complaints about it is, like, very often they're sitting there going, like, I just want to prove that I'm the best in the world. And it's like, I mean, that's not a, that's not such a, like, I, that doesn't feel like a human thing that, like, matters or is a real thing that I care about at all. But like mm -hmm. seeing like, Oh, like these people are family and hanging out. I'm like, Oh, this is human. And I care for some reason. I care a lot more at that. Uh, I'll say that, um, there's a, you know, I, I think wrestling fans, no offense to everybody here. Like I get this impression a lot that they're stupid. Uh, and I, I'm trying not to take like too broad of an approach with that, but sometimes I do. And like, we talked about the xenophobia and there's like this leaned in pretty hard in a few moments on that. There was rede one redeeming moment where this kid was like walking around in a, a Canadian shirt with a Canadian flag going like, uh, you know, like there are people, I'm not even from Canada, but like people are getting mad about the idea of Canada so irrationally. Mm -hmm. yeah, That's wrestling, stupid. Wrestling created a type of xenophobia that didn't exist before. It created a Canadian xenophobia. Yeah. <laughs> I love How is this possible? God, I love like, professional there's wrestling. There's not enough xenophobia in the yeah. world. Exactly. I exactly. love professional wrestling so much. <laughs> Did you like Shawn Michaels humping the Canadian flag? Yeah, I saw that. Real weird. Uh, going right? hard at the flag. Also, uh, Triple H talking about his dick. Uh, real fun mm -hmm, times. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, overall, uh, there are a few moments in it that were interesting or kind of different, and I like seeing those. But, um, oh, yeah, you know, Bret Hart's wife's scolding hunter in the back is an oh, interesting great isn't that crazy that was yeah great. like you knew and you could have done he's something just about looking it. Yeah. down yeah yeah that was fun Triple H definitely looked like he knew he yeah i'm sure he, he did looked, those are she says what goes around comes around and it's never come around never for come hunter around. not that, yet that was Vince one of the most soon though that was one of the most be. mind-blowing parts about this it's like it comes almost at the very end she's like well you know hunter what goes around comes around and i'm like no He's running the ship. And guys, Steven. you don't know. It might still come around. It'll Man. And Stephen, uh, the legend is mm. that the Montreal Screwjob, the idea came from Triple H. <gasps> that is uh, one of the, yeah, one of the Mr. Helmsley, how dare you? I have heard this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So Man. overall, like it's, you know, it's kind of interesting, but uh, I didn't get me too excited uh, about wrestling. What do you think of it as a documentary? Uh, like... 
maybe not great. Like I, I don't know. Like the bigger really? the bigger story of the documentary. I don't uh, think it's the greatest made documentary. Yeah, like, like what, why? Why didn't you like it? I don't like their font choices in the beginning. That's me personally. Font choices are lame. I don't know. Like as a story, it's um. I I don't like I don't like documentaries that kind of um that feel sometimes like a slice of life. Like, you know, like there's like the version of a documentary that's like true life. I'm a wrestler, which I think Leroy Patterson was on. And we talked yeah. about that backyard yeah. wrestler, but there's a type of thing where it's just like, Oh, like, look, they're doing it. All right. Bye. Like, that's not interesting to me to just kind of get like a quick glimpse without diving deeper. So like, this was a very flat look at just sort of like a peek behind the scenes and, and ultimately not that interesting. I prefer a documentary that has uh, uh, more of arc. a story or something like that. Um, Undefeated is a great football documentary. I really like that. There's mm-hmm. a story to that one. There's a lot going on. That's not just like these kids are playing football. Like I don't care. Of course they're playing football. I know that. Uh, and that's what I, that's kind of what I thought Genius. about this one. It was like, Oh, they're just kind of like, yeah, they're wrestling. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it kind of leads up to this, this final culmination of the the screw job but it d- feels like that story is underserved I mean, in my I, opinion i get what you're talking about in that it's more it's more like an accidentally great documentary because of the screw job yeah. stuff but like it feels like going into it that it was very slice of life and it was like I mean, christ without if, it what would it be yeah. if we d- if the screw job didn't happen we wouldn't watch this because you'd be like i yeah. don't know like who cares yeah, See, yeah for me there's still there's so many things like Going into the dungeon, the matches mm-hmm. and going in the dungeon. Yeah, there is and stuff like, that's neat. Just like just the footage of Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Like this was the first time we saw Vince McMahon as anything other than a mm-hmm. WWF announcer. Like seeing that footage of Vince. I just like him being the owner. It's like the, it's, it yeah. was like footage of Bigfoot. Like, like we said, and I'll say it again, just to make to make sure. Like this, this literally did create officially. The Mr. McMahon character, yeah, the like, Strutton CEO right. owner of WWE, the the the, the uh, Steve Austin's biggest uh, enemy of all time. This incident created like, that it, character it and really right. made the WWE's Monday Night Wars like what it became. Like it, what it was. it was not public knowledge that he was the owner of the company. He was just an on-air commentator, mm-hmm. for, you know, for all intents and purposes to fans. Yeah, so like and, seeing that footage where he's backstage talking to Brett and the kids, like the first time when he's when he's shot from like. Far away and you can tell he doesn't know he's being filmed mm-hmm. like i would have run out and bought this just for that <laughs> like 30 seconds alone yeah no that's, all, that's right. all cool well i would give this like a uh how like many shadows two, how many shadows two wrestling shadows wow, um, okay. uh nick what about you i don't I, again i don't think it's my favorite documentary of all time in terms of like if we're talking about how well it's made as a documentary again don't like those font choices uh didn't need to use all lowercase uh for wrestling with shadows. So uh, that said, uh, I agree. All the little stuff is so cool. It's so great to see, even all the things that they put in the network and uh, and all the 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 peaks behind the curtain that we get of kayfabe. Now there's still some. There's still a certain uh, mystic feel to this older stuff. It's just crazy to see any peek into any window of that time. It's very very cool mm-hmm. uh, because this was so before all of that. Uh, but in terms of covering the story and, yeah, the addition of the screw job at the end and all the, the stuff and seeing Stu Hart and going into the dungeon is one of my favorite parts of this whole documentary. So it's really interesting. Um, so just because of all the cool stuff that it gives us, I give it a four out of five. I really, really like it. Joey? Yeah, um, I'll agree. I thought that this was um, I agree with Stephen in that I don't think that this is the best documentary ever produced. I feel like just as a documentary, like it is a little bit meandering. There is like, it's very much a slice of life of 
you know, uh, of Bret Hart's life. Um, I think that there's, because of that, a lot of interesting stuff in there sort of accidentally, the screw job, planning out matches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like as a huge wrestling fan, I love all that little stuff. Like I love watching Pat Patterson plan out a match. That's just real cool to watch. I love seeing, you know, like Vince's office printed on a white sheet of paper that's like taped to a wall. Like (laughs) I love seeing like, uh, you know, Bret Hart's kid playing with the headbangers. Like, you know, like I love seeing how much of a weirdo Stu Hart is. (laughs) Like, right. It's, uh, you know, I think you mean how much of a man Stu Hart is. Oh yeah. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give this four shadows out of five. Uh, Justin, Justin, bring us home. This is five shadows. I had a feeling for me. Yeah. This is the world. Five uh, shadows the and they're all wrestling. <laughs> the importance of the screw job, the importance of the people behind the scenes, the importance of the time period. And, uh, you know, even though it's not the best uh, made doc in the world, I'm mm-hmm. going to cut him a little slack because it wasn't that easy to make documentaries back then. No. I mean, sure. nowadays, and it gave us stuff we never saw. just go to your local Best Buy and buy a $10 camera and make a documentary that afternoon. $10, 4K uh, camera, five yeah. months around sound. It's just God, that easy. Use it's your phone. You sound like the Duplass you brothers. You it on your phone. <laughs> it's just that easy. Just go make it and distribute it to everyone. Duh. One thing, by the way, that I had seen a bajillion times from this and just like clips and stuff, but it still hurts every time I hear it is when Brett just kind of off camera says, I can trust Earl. Yeah, that's oh. another one. Earl Hebner, the, the referee ref, yeah. who, who was yeah. definitely in on it. I mean, feels real be. bad that he was in on it. Yeah, I can trust Earl. All right, sorry, Justin, you were saying. I just I I, I love it. All right, five shadows. I'm gonna call I, that a five. I, I watched shadows? it uh, again last night in preparation for this, and uh, I will tell you that probably four times. I cried. <laughs> even uh, now, wait, even which now. Uh, well, wait, which four times? I. <laughs> uh, I, there was, uh, I got emotional, uh, watching the fans talk about how much they love Brett. Yeah. There's a, there's a shot toward the end with all these like, like young girls outside the mm-hmm. arena in Canada talking about how Brett's their hero. Uh, Second I, moment was the rubber electric chair guy. <laughs> that was weird. Brett Hart has a crazy rubber electric chair, man. In yeah. His what the hell? He's lost his mind, guys. Uh, all right. Uh, well, Justin, thank you for this very special episode on Wrestling with Shadows. Uh, is there anything you want to plug or share with the internet world? Oh, you can uh, uh, read my thoughts on SmackDown every week on uprocks.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about that's- it. If you're in the L.A. area, third Saturday of every month, Tournament of Nerds. Nerds. Mm-hmm. Nerd and up. Uh, yeah, you can... Look, I'm out there. I'm doing stuff. If you want to see it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google it. It's happening. Yeah, you can find him at his house, which is... I don't know, I'm not going to say where he lives. Uh, Joey? Uh, okay, uh, real quick. Uh, we'll, um, we'll hear the other three times that Justin cried uh, during Wrestling with Shadows during yes. uh, part two. Part two. Uh, coming up immediately two. after this episode. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about the after. actual screw job plus Bret Hart's return. Yeah, well, yeah. it's not a meet. All right. Yeah, it's going to come out like a week later or a day yeah, later. Yeah, so, yeah. That's the next episode in our right. chronology. Yeah, yeah. Great. So, right, great. Joey. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joeytainment. You can listen to my other podcast, 25 Minutes of Silence, which uh, is a podcast where a guest and I sit in silence for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I just released an episode starring uh, featuring Ben Curtis, the dude you're getting a Dell guy. So, that was, uh, that was a fun episode. 
Uh, yeah, uh, Nick, where can people find you? Guys, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Gligger, G-L-I-G-O-R. And you can find me all across the internet at Pearlstein. Don't forgive can... us to subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star rating and review. Tweet at us at YSLW Podcast if you have any questions. And don't you can always shoot us an email if you have recommendations, thoughts, whatever, at youshouldlovewrestling at gmail.com. And also check out our real wrestling promotion, YSLW Pro, YSLW the Pro. second Saturday of every month at the Pack Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, if I have my way, that's shit's getting shut down <laughs> in 20 years after we have a huge legacy justin thank you so much for coming and yes, we will you. be back with part two of the screw job thanks for having we'll me cover guys the match as well as some other after this steven oh yeah what do you love wrestling no fuck all right oh, bye man. <laughs> this has been a boardwalk audio podcast for more information and shows, visit BoardWalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.